In the name of Jesus, amen. So the story of really your baptism begins in Genesis 1. Really? Yes. The story of your baptism begins in the creation of the world. God the Holy Spirit fluttering, hovering over the waters of creation before any word was spoken. And then the word comes, let there be light. And immediately, what God says happens. The word has the power to do what the word says and speaks. Let there be light, and there is light. The Holy Spirit there over the waters is that creative moment that the Father, Son, and Spirit all use together to make happen what God wants to have happen. The Father speaks the word, Jesus, there to make the word of God living and active, and the Spirit there to make sure that the life and the light of God's creative work flows freely in all of its glory. The word of baptism that comes to you begins... In Genesis 1. And gathered here in Mark's gospel, we find John doing a work. Okay, so John is doing a work to make sure that the people of God are ready for God's visitation. He's coming personally. And so getting ready for God means Washing up. They did that back at Mount Sinai when God was going to come onto the mountain. Wash your clothes, get ready, God's coming. And so Jesus was on the way. There's one more mightier than I who's just over the horizon. It's time to wash up and get ready for him. Because the thing that I can do for you, as good as it might be, is absolutely insufficient. As good as it might be, it is absolutely insufficient. It can only be a preparation. So come out, and then we'll all go back in again, led by the Lord's Christ. Led by the Son of God himself. So he, he calls Israel out of the promised land, and invites them to journey back in through the Jordan River as though for the first time. As though nothing that they had before that has of any matter of any importance at all. God can take these stones and make children of Abraham. So he can certainly take children of Abraham and restore them to their rightful place. In preparation for the arrival of who? The Son of God? Yes. The King? Yes. The Lord's prophet? Absolutely. The high priest of Israel? Yes. To be anointed by the prophet John to take up his place and for us to follow him. To follow him. To follow him and to be with him, to be bound to him. Wherever he goes and whatever he experiences, that it would be a word and a gift to us who need it. Who, who, Desperately need all of the 
all of the history of God's people shows the absolute inadequacy, the absolute devastation, the absolute emptiness of anything we can bring to God for our own salvation. We, in fact, must be filled. Filled to the brim and overflowing by the word of grace and the spirit of God, which only comes to us through the Son, through Christ. And we know this because the Holy Spirit, while the Holy Spirit had fallen on, on uh, people at various times in the Old Testament, there was one lacking, one lacking, until finally the Holy Spirit comes on the Son himself, on Jesus of, of Nazareth, the incarnate Son of God. Holy Spirit falls on him, and now he is our access to God. He is the one who delivers the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He's the one who delivers the Holy Spirit to his people. He's the one who sends the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and provides for this gift to the entire people of God, the whole church, so that we can be his living stones, his living temple, this new, new human being that God is lifting up and creating for the sake of the world. One more mighty than I is coming. And the heavens were opened and Jesus was received. This is my son, the son by which all of you get to be heirs. He is the one and you are the many. How does this happen? That very baptism that John couldn't perform is the gift that he gives to his disciples to perform after the, after the raising of the dead, after Easter. Go into all the world and baptize not just for repentance, but for binding the name of God on my people so that the forgiveness of sins and the life of God, the whole work of the death and resurrection that I, that I just went through, can be theirs. The significance of that goes flowing out of Paul's pen as he describes it for the Roman Christians in chapter 6, which is actually our text for this morning. <laughs> Convicting them of their sin was no hardship for Paul. It was easy to do. We all give each other plenty of evidence that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. In fact, that's probably the main part of our own life story that keeps us awake at night. But the forgiveness of God is also equally manifested in Paul's letter to the Romans in these first chapters. In the first five, he gets everybody all the way down into death and hell, and he gets all the way, everybody all the way up into resurrection again through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. There you go. Summary of chapters 1 through 5 of Romans. They're all in the same boat. But what do we do with such grace? Right? If, if God's response to sin is to forgive, then the old man would make some kind of calculation there and say, well... If I get grace by being sinful, then I should be even more sinful so that I can get more grace. That's how it works, right, Paul? I go out and do all the crazy stuff that the world does, and, and God just forgives me, and, and I get more grace by being a sinner. Is that how it works? And Paul's response was, uh, no. <laughs> 
God forbid. Don't you realize that what your baptism did was it crucified sin? The antidote to sin is the death and resurrection of Jesus. The antidote for sin for me personally is death and resurrection as well. So the very word back that Adam and Eve had heard in the garden as well, on the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Death is a result of sin. And so you and I, sinful human beings, what's the antidote for sin? Well, forgiveness, but even more so, death. We need to die. Death is vital <laughs> for our Christian faith and life. We need to die. Now, we've got two options. Option number A is to die on your own. Not a good option. Let me just say, not a good option at all. If you die on your own, you die in your sins, you are separated from God from first to last, and you continue to be separated from God in eternity. Not a good option at all. I don't recommend it. Option A is to die on your own. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his gift to you, starting from creation all the way through our gospel lesson today, in his baptism, also then in his death and resurrection, and in his command to his disciples, to make disciples again, to be contagious through teaching and baptizing, is, is, is in fact option B. This salvation has been given to the entire world to take hold of, and this option B is to not die alone, but instead to die in Christ. To die in Christ and then to be sealed in Him, to be dressed and robed in Him, to be immersed in Him, to be drowned and die, and then to be raised up again by the work of God in His Word through His Holy Spirit. And in that dying, Option B, the salvation option, the rescue option, Jesus Christ has provided for an entire new people to be living and active, born from above, born a second time, so that, so that death no longer has mastery over us. We have our baptismal promise surrounding, upholding, and guiding and keeping us throughout our lives. Now, the temptation again is to treat baptism like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like I can just pull it out anytime I want to and say, well, I can do whatever I want because I got my, I got my baptism card. That's exactly not the approach that the Holy Spirit would guide you into, but in fact, to put the salvation of God in Jesus Christ in front of you in such a way that you are compelled by love for him that your faith and trust in him would be living and active, that you would follow him. That you would follow him. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't steps along the way that people fall off the path. And there are always challenges to doing what is right, believing what is right, trusting what is right, and so forth. That's where repentance continues to come in. This is the difference between 
embracing sin and roping yourself in sin and asking everyone else to, to agree with you about your sin, that it isn't sin at all, or that evil is good and good is evil. No. In fact, definitions of good and evil are God-given. He has shared with us what these things are. And when we find ourselves stuck, when we find ourselves broken, when we find ourselves in the midst of challenges like that, when we find ourselves committing what is wrong, that this word itself, this baptismal word itself, comes to mind and calls us away from sin and death and back to Christ. I, poor, miserable sinner, confess that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed, but that the Lord Jesus Christ Lord Jesus Christ has paid for that sin for me, that his death avails for me. Lord, crucify sin in me again today and raise me up again today to live before you as a new creature, a new creature blessed and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see how the trajectory of eternal life, how the trajectory of your eternal life that has already begun pulls you forward into the light of Christ right now. That this, this challenge of being both sinner and saint at the same time can never be the thing that finally defines us, but that the promise of God, the hope of God in Jesus Christ, defines us. Or our reality day in and day out is that we haven't left this body yet. We haven't left this sinful body yet. And we don't have our new body yet either. I look forward to that day as much as any of the rest of us. The peace that passes all understanding is the peace of the end of that spiritual warfare. But the consequences of those sins, they joyfully, graciously, they fall on our Lord Jesus Christ. And how can I, how can I willfully place more burden on the Lord who has already carried the entire sin of the entire world? So I will not willfully, I will not intentionally put more sin on my Lord to carry for me out of my own weakness and out of my own, out of my own willfulness. But instead... I will seek the path of my Lord Jesus Christ. I will seek for him and his wisdom to light that path in front of him. I will pray to be kept on the way, that the Holy Spirit would do all that is possible to herd me as a little sheep of the shepherd, so that in being gathered together with all the rest of the people of God, we may have the light of Christ in the midst of us as we gather around his throne and find ourselves at our final destination. The, the work that God began when he said, let there be light, is to have that light shine out over his people from the throne of God. And this, this way stop, this resting place, being the energizing force for the, the flowing of the grace of God's baptismal waters throughout our life to, to lead us, just like the river along the way, to lead us to those green pastures. There are certainly desert days, and we pray that the rock of Christ, that 
flows with the water of Christ will continue to refresh us even in those wilderness moments and even in those desert days. But we pray that the abundance of God's mercy and grace in this river would never fail and that it would be a gifting pleasure to come to find that the source of all of those baptismal waters when we come to the throne of the Lamb will have been his side all along. That the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ bride, just like, just like Eve was taken from the rib of Adam, that the church, the people of God, had been born from the water that came flowing from his side to be a part of his family and life, to be alongside him as his bride, the church. So in all of these things, the story of your baptism flows. It flows from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It keeps and holds and guides and snuggles you close to your Lord so that you can be a part of all that he is doing. To be made disciples of Jesus in the name of the Father and Holy Son and Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that any parent can ever give to their child to have a word of the Lord in their ears, on their hearts, and in their minds, flowing through their bodies all their lives, calling them to repentance and life, calling them to faith, to believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and to cling to his kingdom, to know that he is the Son. And because he is the Son, we are heirs of the kingdom of God. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.